Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Shabbat Shalom. Give ear. That's what Hazinu means. And I am still amazed that it was Yahweh who taught that song to Moshe and Yehoshua. And in it, it says, if they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. Lu, chokhmu, yaskilu zot. So the song is to Israel and it is predicting their rebellion and it is predicting their punishment and it is predicting their restoration. So the song covers all of the history that we've had since the moment they sang it up until the very near future when they will all finally repent. We have the hindsight of history. We have the presence of God to inform us and understand who the rock is that was spoken of in that song. So I'm going to read all of the verses about Hatsur, the rock, in this song. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are justice. El Emunah, God of faithfulness and without iniquity. A tzaddik. A righteous one is he. But Yeshurun waxed fat and kicked. You did wax fat. You did grow thick. You did become gross. And he forsook Elohim who made him and showed contempt for the rock of his salvation. Of the rock that begot you, you were unmindful and did forget Elohim that bore you. How should one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight, except their rock had given them over, and Yahweh had delivered them up. For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Those couple of verses are a little bit tricky to understand. How should one chase a 1,000, and two put 10,000 to flight, except their rock had given them over, and Yahweh had delivered them up? Who's that talking about? Israel. God stepped out of the way and let the enemies of Israel overtake them. Because of their contempt for the rock of their salvation. Those are all poetic references to the Creator, to Yahweh. And of course, we understand through Scripture that it is also poetic reference to Yeshua the Messiah. 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, my brethren, I want you to know that our fathers were all under the cloud. And all passed through the sea, and all were immersed by Moshe, both in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank from that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Mashiach. This is Paul, Shaul, a former rabbi, writing to Gentile believers about the rock of Israel, and saying that that rock is Yeshua. That rock is also the cornerstone over which Israel and others would stumble. 
This is from Romim, Romans chapter 9. But Israel, who followed after the Torah of righteousness, has not attained to the Torah of righteousness. Why? Because it, Torah, was not sought by faithfulness, but by the works of the Torah. So they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. The stumbling stone is the Torah. The stumbling stone is Messiah. In this context, it's the Torah. But in other contexts, Paul clearly teaches that Messiah is the stumbling stone, right? As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, but whoever trusts in him shall not be ashamed. Yeshua himself told the Jewish religious leaders that he was that stumbling stone and that rock of offense. I'm in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, I believe. When Yeshua came to the Hechal, which is the temple, the chief Kohanim and the elders of the people came up to him. These are the leaders of religious Israel. While he was teaching, they said to him, By what authority do you do these things, and who gave you this authority? I've told you for months now that their argument and their displeasure with Yeshua was over authority. Because they knew he had authority from God because he was doing things they could not do. And Yeshua challenges them. Instead of answering their question directly, he challenges them about where did Yochanan Hamadbil get his authority? And they wouldn't answer because they knew that the crowd favored Yochanan, John the Immerser, and they didn't want to stink on their hands. And they knew that either way it went, it was going to be bad for them. Yeshua goes on and says, Truly I say to you that even the publicans and the harlots, the publicans are the people, it's the IRS. It's the equivalent of the IRS. You know how we don't like IRS agents, right? Especially the 87,000 they're about to hire and give guns to. <laughs> but that's the quality of people. They're, they're turncoats on Israel. And they, they collected, these are Jews who collected taxes for Rome. All right. Yeshua is telling them, even the publicans and the harlots will precede you in, into the kingdom of God. He's talking to the Jewish religious leaders. For Yochanan came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the publicans and the harlots believed him. They believed John the Baptist. But you, even though you saw, did not repent so that later you might believe in him. Then he gives them another parable, and then he goes on and says to them, Have you never read in the Scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same became the cornerstone. This was from Yahweh, and it is a marvel in our eyes. That, that's the quote out of Psalm 118. And he goes on, Yeshua does, and says, Therefore I say to you that the kingdom of Elohim will be taken away from you. Again, Yeshua is taking the authority away from the rabbis. He is talking to the rabbis and the elders of Israel, and he's taking their authority away. And will be given to a people who bear fruits. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, and on whomever it falls, it will scatter him. He's talking about himself. What most people don't realize is that the rock that he's talking about, the stumbling stone, is a feature of the Passover Seder. Even Masu Abonim, Haitale Rosh Pina, 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's out of Psalm 118, the last song of the Hallel. The Hallel is the songs of praise for Passover, Psalm 113 through 118. And that verse is almost at the end. And so Yeshua calls Himself the stone that the builders rejected and Passover is about to start. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the one which is from Yahweh. It is marvelous in our eyes. That's what Yeshua quoted, but it goes on and says, This is the day which Yahweh has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen to this. We beseech you, O Yahweh, Hoshiana. We beseech you, O Yahweh, make us now to prosper. Just days from when Yeshua told them he was the cornerstone, Israel was singing those words to Yeshua as he came into the city. Baruch haba b'shem Yahweh, we bless you out of Beit Yahweh. So you cannot tell me that it was coincidence that the timing of when Yeshua told them that He was the stone that they would reject was just days before Passover. He made it obvious that He was the rock of offense. And that rock is our faith in His resurrection. It's not Peter, like the Catholic Church teaches. The rock is the fact that Yeshua died as a human being his soul departed and went into Sheol. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. That is the rock of our salvation. Moshe and Yehoshua were saying this, But Yeshurun waxed fat and kicked. You did wax fat. You did grow thick. You became gross. And he forsook Elohim. Yeshurun forsook Elohim who made him and showed contempt for the rock of his salvation. Listen to this. Vainabel sur Yeshua to. Showed contempt for the rock of his salvation. And does anybody recognize that word nevel? You've seen it three times already today. It's a musical instrument. So you will sing of the rock of his salvation. They sing the Hallel about Yeshua every Passover and they still have contempt for Him. Our Jewish people today still have contempt for Yeshua. Not all of them, obviously, but generally they do. And they sing of Him every Passover. First, they arrested Yeshua in the dark of night. They tried Him without a whole Sanhedrin and all of Israel being there. They handed him over to Rome, they handed, who, who handed him over to their own king, who mocked him. They handed him back over to Rome. They demanded that Rome execute him. They, they chose a murderer named Bar Abba, which, by the way, means son of daddy. So it's like a replacement for Yeshua. Yeah. A, a pseudo-Yeshua. They chose a murderer over the very son of God. They stripped him bare. They spat on him. They beat him. They pulled out his beard. They whipped him. I have a picture that was done by an artist who 
consulted with doctors and scientists on how Yeshua's execution, particularly the flogging, how it would have made his body look, and it is hard to look at. His back is torn open. You can see his ribs. 39 shards of bone and rock and iron and stuff woven into that whip, and it just tore the flesh off his back. They hung him on a tree with two other criminals. And while he's hanging there, the chief Kohanim likewise were mocking together with the Sophrim, the scribes, and the elders, and the Pharisees. And they were saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. If he is king of Israel, let him now come down from the execution stake so that we may see and believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him save him now if he's pleased with him. For he said, I'm the son of God. People say that the Jews killed Jesus because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the son of God. Amen. We just read it. Yes. I am the Son of God. Yes. Israel showed contempt for the rock of their salvation. Yesterday was Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day of judgment of the wicked. The wicked are those who utterly reject Yeshua and His salvation. The rock of salvation which is divine. Ultimately, our Jewish people in one day in the future will accept Yeshua as their Savior and no longer just see Him as a teacher. They've had to acknowledge Him as a, as a historical figure. They don't go so far as to say He didn't exist because then they wouldn't be able to mock Him if He didn't exist. but they've not yet come to trust in Him. But in order to get to that place of trust, because it does, the Word says that they will. We read it. They're going to turn around. God is going to show them favor. He's going to give them their land. They're going to live in their land. Only a small percentage of Jews, it's a bigger, bigger number now than it was, live in the land. Not all of them do. In order to get there, they're going to acknowledge Yeshua. But they will go through exactly what the song, Ha'azinu, describes. And they sing it every, every year around this time. And they sing these words, If I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my adversaries and re will recompense them that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy. Sing aloud, O you nations of his people, for he does avenge the blood of his servants and does render vengeance to his adversaries and does make expiation for the land of his people. Ha'azinu doesn't go into all the details, but the details about what's going to happen come out in the prophets and in Yeshua and in Shaul and in Yohanan in the book of Revelation. But th that part of the song is talking about the day of the vengeance of our God. 
Ruach Adonai Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good tidings to the humble. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of eyes that are bound, to proclaim the year of the good pleasure of Yahweh, stop, and the day of vengeance of our Elohim. People don't realize, especially people who have separated God into three parts and said that the God of the Old Testament is kind of gone and He was a mean and angry God and the God of the New Testament is Jesus and He's all sweet and loving. They don't realize that, the, the, that God's vengeance is going to be meted out by His Messiah, by Yeshua, on those who reject Yeshua. Psalm 60, or Isaiah 63. Who is this that comes from Edom, with crimson garments from Bolsrah? This that is glorious in his apparel and stately in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his that treads in the wine vat? I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the peoples there was no man with me. Yes, I trod them in my anger and trampled them under my trampled them in my fury. And their lifeblood is dashed against me. My garments have I stained, and I have stained all my raiment for the day of vengeance that was in my heart and my year of redemption are come. And I've told you over and over, it's a bittersweet day. But the Yom Nakam Eloheinu, the day of the vengeance of our God, is in Messiah's heart. And the people that don't understand that He's going to avenge all of the people who have persecuted and killed people who followed him for the last 2,000 years, they go on persecuting his people. And religious people are all in that mix. Christians, Jews, Muslims, they're all in that mix of persecuting those who simply follow Messiah Yeshua, whether they're Jewish or not. The day of vengeance is at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble. And you see that in the song. You see God disciplining, disciplining Israel in the song and bringing them back. But you also see that God is taking vengeance out on the wicked who oppress them. And of course, Israel is anybody who believes in Yeshua, who is a Jew, and any Gentile who also believes in Yeshua and joins Israel. That's who he's talking about. We just rehearsed Yom Teruah 11 days ago where the bride was called into the chambers, into the rooms in his father's house in Isaiah 26. And then trouble begins. We went through the, the Yamim Noraim, the terrible days, the awesome days, the seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are figurative of the time of Jacob's trouble. Yesterday, we rehearsed coming out of his chamber with his bride. I didn't mention it because we were preparing ourselves for the fact that we're going to be here for a little while and we have stuff to do in the realm of the Spirit. We have to bring people into his kingdom. We have to restore people to a right walk. Some of us were talking this morning Christianity has wandered so far. Even if I wanted to go back to Christian churches, and there were a few that I was very comfortable in and, and, and loved being there. I was saved in a wonderful Baptist church over in Saratoga, Texas. I probably couldn't go back. 
because he's not preached anymore like he was back then. His blood is not the one saving factor anymore. There's no call to righteousness by most. They've capitulated on all the sins that society is foisting on our children and just letting them do it and allowing their kids to walk in it and not lamenting the error of their children. One day in our future, after a Natsal, when the bride does go into the wedding chamber, seven years later on Yom Kippur, the bridegroom comes out with his bride. And that's what we see in our Haftarah portion in Yoel, Joel. First, before our portion, we see Yom Teruah in Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blast the shofar in Zion. Sound an alarm in my Har Kodesh, my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for Yom Yahweh comes, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness and blackness spread upon the mountains. And Yahweh utters his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. He is mighty that executes his word. For great is Yom Yahweh, the day of Yahweh, the day of the Lord. And very terrible. Who can abide it? Yet even now, he says, Yahweh, turn unto me with all your heart. That's what that seven years is about for Jacob, for Israel. Turn unto me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and lamentation. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto Yahweh your Elohim. For he is gracious and merciful, long-suffering and abundant in compassion, and sorrows from the evil. God will be punishing Israel, but it doesn't give him joy. When I used to have to spank my children, it, I didn't enjoy it. I put it off as much as I could. But it had to be done. And it's the same way with Israel. He doesn't want to have to punish Israel to get them to repent. But guess what? It's got to happen. And he says it. He sorrows from the evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a mincha and a nesech unto Yahweh your Elohim. That's the tribulation. And during that time, the two prophets will be saying, I've, I'm willing to bet those very words. Turn unto me with all your heart, with fasting, with repentance, with weeping, with lamentation. And then Mashiach HaSheker will kill them. And they'll rise from the dead in front of God and everybody, be on TV, and Israel will wake up. And all of Israel will be saved. All of Israel will then trust in Yeshua. And hallelujah for that. Yes. That's the purpose of the tribulation, is to get Israel finally to the point of not having contempt for Yeshua. And at the end of that seven years, when Israel as a nation is almost destroyed, that's when Yom Kippur will happen. And the wicked on earth will have been persecuting the righteous, those who come to belief because of those two prophets and because of the Jews after them for three and a half years, the Jews who are now preaching Yeshua for three, the last three and a half years of man's time on earth. Then Yeshua is going to put his foot down 
on the Mount of Olives on Yom Kippur. Blast the shofar in Zion. Consecrate a fast, Joel 2.15, our portion. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that nurse at the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his cheder and the bride out of her chuppah. Let the Kohanim and the ministers of Yahweh weep between the porch and the Mizbeach. So you have Yeshua and his bride coming out of heaven and you have Israel on earth weeping in the temple. Why? Because all the nations of the earth have surrounded them. And they've come up to the walls of Jerusalem itself. And they're about to go under. Let them say, spare your people, O Yahweh, and give not your heritage to reproach that the nations should make them a byword. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their Elohim? And Yeshua appears. We're coming up on Sukkot. Tribulation has not started in spite of what many Messianic people are saying. In spite of what many Christians are saying, tribulation has not started. These are still the birth pangs and they're intensifying. But they don't know tribulation yet. We're here, we have breath, we have means, we have freedom. And for a brief season, the ability, hopefully, to declare the Word of God. Sukkot is a celebration of three things. The commemoration of living in booths for 40 years. Remembering the temporal nature of life. It's the commemoration of the birth of Yeshua who was born in a sukkah. In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a sukkah because there was no room for them for lodging. And in the Aramaic, the word there is Uriah, and that is an Aramaic word for the sukkah. And that word is used three other times in describing Yeshua's birth in Bethlehem. Sukkot is a rehearsal of dwelling with the Messiah temporarily on earth for 1,000 years. We look for him to get here, and he's going to be here 1,000 years, and that sounds wonderful to our mortal ears, but it's going to be a blink in time. A day is 1,000 years. We have three days after tonight to prepare for Sukkot. Let's aim to better understand how short our time is, how critical it is that we become effective witnesses of the gospel of Messiah and how accurately we express that Yeshua is the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.